You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I'll bring it back. I'm running on the fast break, behind the back. Yeah, this, that, this, that, this, that. Dirk with the Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined as always by my co-host, writer at Mavs.com and dog lover. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Nick, it's going to be huge, but you're not invited to the White House. (laughs) You can't come to the White House. I'm not going to let you. I refuse. Well, good. I didn't even want to come. Uh, I saw where LeBron said that either one of like whoever wins the series, not like they're not going to the White House. I don't care what you say politically. Like I feel like there's at least one person that wants to go to the White House. You know what I mean? Like between the yeah. two teams, there's got to be one person that's like, yeah, maybe I don't agree with, with Trump on anything or policies or anything, but they're like, I've never been to the White House. I kind of want to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like listen, some people I don't wouldn't care about seeing him. I just want to call the White House yeah. and look around. <laughs> some people wouldn't even see it as like I'm agreeing with Trump if I go to the White House. You know, I'm sure there are some people that think that. Yeah, I I would not be one of those people. I would not go. It is very 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 interesting. I would go to D.C. because D.C. is a cool city. It is a cool city. It's very That's cool. It's fun city. to. I enjoy Washington D.C. Yeah. You know what there? What else there is in, is in Washington D.C.? What else is in Washington D.C., Isaac? Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> is there any notable bridges in Washington D.C.? Um, I don't know the name of them. Anyway, today we are doing the Mikhail Bridges draft profile. And uh, by the way, we're recording this early uh, because Isaac is going to be out next week. So we're recording some of these early. So if anything happens between now and uh, you guys are listening to this on Monday, happy Monday, everybody. You listen to this on Monday, and so uh, there could be stuff that happens, so sorry if it does. But today we're doing the Mikhail Bridges uh, profile, just like we've done all the other ones. Strengths, weaknesses, availability, ceiling, floor, NBA, comp, roster roster role, roster impact, second-round pick pairing, why the Mavs should take him and why the Mavs shouldn't take him. Isaac, let's start right away with the strengths for Mikhail Bridges. They're pretty obvious. Uh, he's 6'7", with like a 7-foot, seven 7'2", seven wingspan, or is it 7-foot? Seven two. Seven two wingspan, two hundred pounds. Um, so a really great like awesome size for a wing. Like just honestly perfect size for a two three. Um and may in like a small ball four, maybe. Uh in certain in certain lineups. So just really great um size there. He's uh he's a little older. He's been in the uh in college for a couple years. So he's gonna be twenty one. He's actually gonna be twenty two by the time the season starts. For the NBA, he's a really good three-point shooter. I think he shot 44% from three his last year. Um, just really great defender, really great 3 and D guy. Uh, can create off the dribble a little bit. Uh, that's not one of his huge strengths, but that is something he can do. You're not He's not somebody that you want him to like slash and kick, um, but he's a guy that can he can you know create his own shot a little bit. So, uh, but yeah, another thing with, with that wingspan and his ability to shoot, he has such a high release point on his shot that it's, it's kind of hard to block. It's kind of, I mean, his jumper is kind of like Durant's honestly in the way that he just, he puts it up really high, uh, and keeps it up high when he, when he releases it. So, uh, just really, I mean, three and D is really the thing that you can say for him. He just embodies both those things. 
I mean, I can't rave about him enough. You know, I, I love Mikel Bridges. Um, I love the system he comes from in Villanova. Uh, Villanova won two national championships. He, last year, the national player of the year in college basketball was Jalen Brunson, which is a point guard for Villanova. Um, guess who made life a lot easier for Jalen Brunson? That was Mikel Bridges. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It's awesome uh, to be a point guard and to have a guy alongside of you on the wing that is 6'7 with a 7'2 wingspan and that can hit 43% from three. Man, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of this guy, especially for how the league is now because here's my thing with this. We can debate on what the next wave is as far as like is the next wave this unicorn big, blah, blah, blah. Well, I can guarantee you something. Whatever the next wave is, we're still going to have a need for six, seven wings that can hit 43% from three. Seriously. So it doesn't uh, – Honestly, him, those will never go out of style, ever. Yeah. Even, and, even uh, if, like, this this whole big revolution comes that we're talking about, like that we uh, we talked about – that you talked about with, um, with Bobby and that we've talked about before where there's all these young bigs coming up, even if those guys are still – or like taking over the league, you're always going to need guys like this. Like always, every single finals team ever had a guy like this. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the thing. You know, if you look at his measurements, you'd say, hey, he could be. You know, he's probably a three. Um, but I would I would go. He's he's like a, a three two. I w- I don't like him too much at the four. He's a little bit too thin for the four. But yeah, just in yeah, some I mean, lineups. Yeah, yeah, and in, in some here and there. Um, so, you know, I like to throw some synergy stuff out, but his some of his uh, percentages on synergy offensively is absolutely insane. So they put, you know, percentage, the, this percentile of players in the league uh, or in uh, college basketball in these percentiles of each different offensive category. And when you look up different prospects on here, you might – you know, you'll find a prospect that hits like one or two areas that's like, man, that's their that's their thing. Like, man, they're a great spot-up shooter. And they're like excellent rating, 90-something percentile. They're one of the best spot-up shooters in basketball, blah, blah, blah. Let, let me give you Mikel Bridges. Spot-up, excellent. Transition, excellent. Ball handler, primary like pick-and-roll ball handler, excellent. 98%, 90%, 90%. As a cutter, 94% excellent. Off screen, 91% excellent. Um, yeah. <laughs> against <laughs> against man offense, like as far as they group these together against man defense and against zone defense, he's in the 99% percentile. An excellent rating against man defense. 94 percentile excellent against zone defense. You can't, like, I even watched... He was a pick and roll ball handler for 61 possessions. And that like this is the main thing when somebody says, and this kills me, and it like makes me cringe when people tweet at me and say, Well, he can't create off the dribble, he can't do anything, blah blah. Well, I'm he like, didn't have to a ton. I mean, you had Brunson one, yeah, and you didn't. had DiVincenzo on your team. You don't really need to do that. Exactly. That he didn't have to a ton. Like his his three pointers, you know, I tweet out some gifts and stuff the other day. A lot of his three pointers were spot up threes. But a lot of them are not just wide open spot up threes. It's like when Nick said a while ago, like he has this high release point with a seven two wingspan and six seven. I mean, some of these. I mean, he's just eyeing these guys down and shooting right in their face. 
And that stuff, you know, in the pick and roll ball handler. So I want to look at, hey, what's he look like? You know, isolation. What's he look like as the primary ball handler in like a pick and roll? Can he do that? Because that's what happens at this at the next level a lot. As the primary pick and roll ball handler, he had 61 possessions, scored 60 points in those, 90 percentile of that. Isolation, he got the very good uh, tag with that. You know, he had 27 possessions with that when he was running isolation offense with him, but. Man, like he's the he's the one like when you when you look at his advanced stats, when you look at synergy, look at his box score stuff, like you just look at it and you're like, holy crap. Like what where did in his progression at Villanova, he came in, did the red shirt thing, and over time he grew into this player. And I you know, I'm a huge fan of the One Shining podcast with you know, Titus and Tate of the Ringer. And because I like college basketball a lot, and those guys are just like two of my favorite Future guys. Chicago so. State head basketball coach. <laughs> they're my, they're, they're, that's my favorite podcast in all <laughs> podcasts. But anyway, they had this joke all season long of saying Jalen Brunson's going to be like a national player of the year, but he's not the best player on their team. It's Mikel Bridges, and he is. like he, yeah. he was the best player on their team. So you can't rave enough about him, about his fit at the next level, and like strengths-wise – yeah, you I mean, say you can't rave enough, but I'm a person that talks to you like hours and hours a day, and I think you, I think you can rave about him enough. <laughs> <laughs> I do, yeah. I mean, I, I still have, you know, four players above him, but I've been pretty open of saying I would take him over Porter Jr. and Jackson. But anyway, mm. get to weaknesses. Yeah, weaknesses. Uh, let's talk about his weaknesses. We we just raved all about his strengths, but there are some weaknesses. So Isaac, let's talk about his weaknesses. And uh, but but first, we'll take a break. All right, weaknesses for uh, Mikhail Bridges as we continue his draft profile. Man, uh, for me, it was kind of hard to come up with some because uh, me it's, too. when you think about weaknesses, you're you're looking at it in the, the scope of his expectations. If I have an expectation for a guy that he's three and D I'm not expecting him to be an incredible passer or incredible driver or incredible. Like we, you said that he was excellent in pick and roll, like ball handling, but to execute a pick and roll, like, you know, like Dennis does or like, you know, a point guard would. So you look at it within the, within the scope of his expectations and there's not a ton of, of weaknesses for me. Uh, in that sense. Now, there's some other things. Like, he's not going to be Durant. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you're yeah, looking it, at it that way, like, he's just not going to be that guy. He's not going to be, like, your go-to scorer. Uh, yeah, it's like what your – It's like you said with, like, your expectations and these categories you put players in. If you are thinking that he's going to be the next Kawhi Leonard, then you might – like, that, that changes your – weaknesses it changes how you view him but if you think he could get net get close to a clay thompson level then that might be a little different because i put clay on a different type of scale different type of level as Kawhi leonard and i'm going to talk more about the clay thing in a little bit but it just changes how you view their progression and what they could do because if we're saying man if somebody's saying i think he could be the next Kawhi leonard then we can really like okay does he can he ISO like Kawhi? Does he have like he? This is really I only have a couple different things, and you know I had to put the ISO player thing on there just because 
they didn't, you know, run it a ton. I mean, he only had 27 possessions where he, he ran isolation last year at Villanova. So yeah, here's the like, uh, the weaknesses on the step in since we're having some hard time coming up with some. Uh, this is from Cole's Wicker. Not a not a refined tight space dribbler. Handles a bit loose. Gets stripped or loses the ball at times and tries to create in close proximity situations. So that's where like he's not a point guard. You know what I mean? He just doesn't yeah. have that kind of thing. So you're kind of. I mean, that's uh, even for me. That's kind of nitpicking. Presses the issue when used as a high usage creator, both for himself and for others. Better utilized in a Clay Thompson ball handling role with primary usage secondary creator duties. Exactly what we said. Lacks the frame or girth of Robert Covington type combo forward defender and projects as more of a two three point of attack defender than a three four defender who guards the league's most physically dominant wing scorer. So, like, if he's gonna try to guard. You know, I mean, if he's going to get switched onto like Blake Griffin or Le- LeBron no. or somebody like that, or no. even, I mean, even Durant, like he's just, he's, he's a lot taller than him. It's going to be kind of difficult, but I think he could, he could guard Durant better, but just these huge guys that are, you know, really thick, he's going to have a hard time with those guys. Uh, and probably look this, this is another thing from the step probably took a slight step back this season on defense due to enhanced offensive usage, which is fine. Yeah. His yeah, offensive I'm, usage is going to go way down in the NBA. I'm good with yeah with all of that. I mean, he doesn't have a post game. That's one. Of there you go. Yeah, like there's who, another who, thing. His yeah, I mean, he doesn't post, which whatever. There are some people that say that he has a hitch in his shot. What do you think about that? I don't know. I don't. <laughs> we'll talk more about shot stuff with Jan Jackson, but if it. If you can shoot over defense, if you're six seven and you're seven two and your release is high and you have a like there's plenty of examples of literally not even you coming off a screen, you're just holding the ball and the guy's in your face and you can you have elevation on your jump shot and your shot is above your head and you're shooting at forty three percent, I'm good I'm down. I'm okay. It's when it. it's when it, if it's a Lonzo ball type of hitch, like it's that's not a affects, hitch though. That's just like well, fundamentally it, it's starting. From it the affects wrong spot. your yeah, like it affects your um, like your spacing. You might need more space because of the hitch. Yeah, you know, what I'm saying like from the defender, it you know, like it affects you. Might have to like jump a little higher because you need to create that little space a little bit more in your jump shot. It, that that's a different ballgame. Yeah, so we both have bridges pretty high, um, but his availability. He's going to be there at five. I'm, we're pretty confident in that. Yeah. And um, so he's going to be there. But how far do you think he could potentially drop? Let's do kind of the same thing that we did for um, for Porter Jr. So I think he start going down. So he's going to be there. For... Okay. Yeah. He's a per- he's an absolutely perfect fit. Everything you'd want in Philadelphia. So they, they would just like love to have – I mean, they would definitely love to have a guy like that. I will be so – frustrated especially like, happy for him but like frustrating a team that you would want around ben simmons has covington and mikhail bridges in it yeah like gosh who guards your point guard though at that point mikhail bridges bridges guards your point guard covington guards yeah. like your two simmons guards your three or four that's just dumb if Embiid out there garden fives and then what's another player you'd put with them Anybody? No, I mean, I guess. If you have Reddick, is that just too much space? Or you just. (laughs) I mean, ideally, you'd want somebody else to. And then you, like, somebody similar that's not. Like, Reddick would be attacked on the defensive end. But if you find somebody else that's, like, an above average defender, 
you literally have no holes then. I mean, that's – and the fact that he shoots 43% from three bridges, I mean, come on. Isaac's, up, Isaac's upset just thinking about it. <laughs> I am. That's why we need to try to get that that uh, 10th pick or the 11th pick or something. I would be so down. Uh, ceiling floor. I think everyone is pretty much in the agreement that Bridges is sort of a, a high floor, low ceiling kind of prospect. So he's. I don't think he'd ever make an all-star team. I just don't see that as Ooh. as where he would be. How many 3 and D guys make the all-star team? You have to be really, really good. Yeah. You know what I mean? You also have to be on a really good team. Yeah, he could make like he could make a Corver All Star. You know what I mean? Where, he, yeah, where he's exactly. just that kind of guy. Or, uh, I mean, even like Clay Thompson made it, made a bunch of All Star teams. So, I guess I could see that. Clay Thompson's probably his his ceiling. Yeah, and that, that's the thing that um, you know I made that comp on Twitter a while back of saying I think he could. It's it's kind of a double edged sword with this, like him what he could be Clay Thompson, but he could play and he's going to play the Clay Thompson role that defined role yeah. with like golden state. And like Clay came in, Clay was a three year college player. He shot 39% his last year from three, his last year of college. And he came into the league at 21 years old. No one's complaining about that right now. with Clay Thompson. Okay. Nope. So like I've heard a lot of people throw out, Oh my gosh, he's 21. Okay. I don't care. Like I get, I get that. I, I do get it. How many 18-year-olds like, and 19-year-olds have we seen come in the league and just flame out? Like? Flame out, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, that's that's the thing with, like, what – and I went on the, that whole, like, thread on Twitter, what Clay does for Steph, and we argued about it or whatever, and, like, Clay and Draymond all that stuff, but, like, what Clay does for Steph and allows Steph to be who he is and to allow – it allows Steph to excel at what he does best – and Clay's ability to play defense because Clay guards these ones, he guards up to like you know twos and threes, and he takes that defensive pressure off of Curry, but also gives him this elite outside shooter that spaces the floor also. And yeah, I mean, I think he, I mean, I think he could be a like Clay Thompson. I mean, I, I just think as long as a team puts him in that role, and I would love to see Bridges get alongside of a, a super fun athletic point guard. Like it scares me thinking of Bridges going to Cleveland. I want like yeah, especially he's gonna work leaves. any yeah he's gonna work anywhere but like and he'll be fine. It's just I want to see him like in Philadelphia. Wow like we're gonna be talking about him for a while. Like he's gonna be hitting some big shots in the playoffs. If he like somehow Dallas could get him and he is our like Wes Matthews replacement, and he is the two guard alongside Dennis. Like, I think that would just be amazing. But like, if he goes to like Orlando, what? If somebody's gonna bring him, it's kind of like Bamba, you know. Like, if somebody's gonna draft him and bring him in, like, let's say Cleveland drafts him at eight, and then LeBron leaves, and he's their starting like two or three, and like they're wanting to like run a lot of offense through him or like try to groom him like different stuff like that and take him out of that that role then that could alter a little bit you know with him but put him in that two guard i I don't want to say three and d because that three and d almost pigeonholes people into this like one like area or category but i would say like an enhanced three and d type of guy i don't think it does because there's just not that many players that really do that 
Yeah. It's it's hard to come up with a list of players when you try to think of three and D guys. Because obviously you have like your Durants. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have you have Durant, you have like Paul George, you have yeah. Kawhi Leonard. But other than that, you're looking at you're looking outside of superstars just to have a role playing three and D guy. It's hard to find. You have Covington, you have like, See, I Trevor think he's Reason. gonna be better than Covington. I feel very, very confident inside of me that he will be a better player than Robert Covington. And Covington just got paid and like a lot of people think Covington's pretty good and I'm like fairly confident that he's going to be a better player than Covington. But he's somewhere between Covington and Paul George. Paul George is a really good ISO player. Yeah, that, <laughs> Paul George that, is somebody that's good. that's what se- that's what separates you know a three and D player from a superstar. Well, honestly. see, like that's where you look at the differences between Clay Thompson and Paul George. Yeah, and like that's why he I, like Paul George, Kawhi Leonard's in this category. Clay Thompson's over here. Clay Thompson's still an amazing, amazing player in the league. But that role that what Clay Thompson plays, that should be the career path that Mikel Bridges should be on. If that makes sense. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So somewhere between Covington and and Clay Thompson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if he gets in the right fit, I mean, if he gets in a Golden State type fit, he can make All Star teams like Clay does. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's the thing. Like, I mean, with his shooting ability. And everything he like, you put the right team around him, he's gonna excel and be one of the best players of this draft class. I'm confident in that. So we already sort of talked about NBA comps. Do you have anybody else that you want to mention when we talk about Mikael Bridges? No. Those guys we kind of mentioned are, are pretty much it. Future role, uh, we sort of also mentioned that too. He he's your you know, ideally probably your tertiary ball handler, like your your third guy that's gonna create a shot. He's gonna be out there. He's gonna have a guy like a Dennis like you know, a Westbrook or somebody that can create and can, you know, get him the ball in a, in a good spot and can kind of collapse the defense. So he spaces the floor for them. Um, he would probably, ne- he would be a starter for the Mavericks coming in. If the Mavericks made a trade with wet, made a trade for with Wes, he would start right away. Other than that, I don't know about, I don't know if he would start. No, he would come off the bench if they did not trade Wes, but I think it would definitely allow Said the possibility of trading West by the deadline, but there might like if that if they somehow got their hands on Mikel Bridges, I really could see him saying, "Man, let's give him a whole year with Wesley Matthews, and let West show him the ropes of how be how yeah. to be a per, like a premier wing defender in the league." Other, uh, let's talk about other roster impacts because I think this this impacts you know, free agency and impacts a couple other things. And yeah. Um, but let's talk about that after we take another quick break. So Mikhail Bridges, I think we're both in agreement that it seems out of the question. The Mavs have taken with the fifth pick, right? I mean, I guess so. There's just been so much buzz about this, you know, getting a big and yeah. that, and that the People buzz usually at. seems to work for the Mavericks. Like last year, was they really need a point guard, <laughs> and yeah. boom, they got a, they got their point guard. And it was just, there's just so much like this traditional thinking right now of we have a point guard, we have a small forward, now we need a center because Dirk's going to be leaving soon, and it's like, yeah. which is okay. Like obviously, I love Bamba in them, but so they do like need the, they do need a center. <laughs> you know, yeah, a, like, they're a, not a center, wrong. You know, for whatever it is, so. You know, yeah, I think they go big. But. Yeah, so uh, roster impact, you're thinking that either they, they made a move to try to get another pick, 
and they got bridges or they really made a change and the Mavs need a big now <laughs> like they need so so all the guys in free agency are still on the on the board as far as like Cousins, Capella, you know, guys like that. I guess Julius Randle still. Yeah, and that that's the thing too. Like obviously I'm saying I would take Bridges at 5 behind Bamba and Bagley in the top 2. Um but man, if like you knew you were getting Capella in free agency, that makes me like I would love man Bridges and Capella. It's exciting, um, <laughs> but uh, but now like yeah, everything's wide open. I mean, if you if you get a if you pretty much everything that if you got Luca, everything else everything the same thing would be on the table. Two yep. different players, but there's still like two three guys and you can still go for cousins capella all those guys you the free agent fours you can still go with any of them mikel bridges and i would say this mikel bridges would fit with almost all of them to where if you got luca you would question the fit of some of those fours yeah yeah like if you get luca we've already talked about this but i'm not sure you would want like randall or jabari yeah to where like mikel could fit literally with any free agent you go and get yeah Second round pick pairings, uh, you can kind of get anybody. I mean, you just can't get enough wings, really. So everybody's still on the table. Yeah, everybody's on the table. I, this would be one of the only scenarios in which I would lean towards um, a couple of these bigs that I like that I might would throw a, a flyer at in the second round um, to where I like. Give me some, give me some names. Uh, the Chimizi Metu from USC. He's like a Capella light man. He. He's he's not as tall as Capella. Which, by the way, Capella was a Capella light coming in. Let's not forget that the guy came in and was like not even in the rotation, not even close to anything. He was like a G League two way type player. Yeah, and just developed into this monster. Yeah, I like him, man. He's like six nine, six ten. The Metu from USC, but he's like super springy. He like his thing is just roll into the, setting picks, roll into the basket, and catching lobs. So if you believe her that you can like develop a little bit more in that. That would be all about it. Um, man, one of my sneaky guys is, and I'm surprised he came out because he didn't play very much in college basketball, is Jared Vanderbilt from Kentucky. That dude is a monster on the boards, and he's going to get picked in the second round. And a lot of people's like, he's kind of like Porter Jr., like you didn't see a ton of him, but he kept his name in the draft for a reason. And, I mean, the dude didn't play. I mean, he's going to be a second-round pick maybe, but – he might surprise some people where he goes, but I, I like him a lot too. So, I, like, I would take, I would lean more towards taking a flyer on them. But if they grabbed a wing in the second round, also, and we walked out of this draft with like Mikel Bridges and like Melvin Frazier, I'm like, okay, I'm down with that. Yeah. And we talked about like how they would get Mikel. We don't think he, they, he would go five, but you know, we threw out there different possibilities of like, what if they trade down? You know, what if they yeah trade down with Chicago and Chicago moves up for Bamba and. They move down two spots to seven and get another first. They get Chicago's what? They got something else in the first round and, you know, something else or, you know, another pick or something. And at that, you know, you were covering Mikel for a reason because he fits in Dallas and he is going to be a, a top 10 pick for the, for the most part. He would honestly fit anywhere. Yeah. Very true. Chicago has 20, the 22nd pick. Okay. Would you do yes. that trade? Let's let's add another segment. Would you do that? So let's say they're getting Mikhail in a non traditional way. You get the twenty second pick and the seventh pick, so you get Bridges, and then who are you taking with twenty two? Um, 
Man, I don't know. I mean, a lot of, you, you want to see, like, who drops to there? I mean, yeah. would a Robert Williams fall that far? Are, are, you, are you a believer in, man, Mitchell Robinson's look good in some of these, like, workouts? Would you swing for that and saying, hey, let's walk out of here with Mikel and Mitchell Robinson? Would you go with another wing? You know, there's a lot of different ways you could roll with that. But. Would you do that, though? maybe i don't know that's tough i would want something else if that pick was like in the late lottery like 13 to 16 i would probably do it but But you're only moving down two slots though yeah 22 still i just i think it speaks more of that clump of players from like 20 to 30 (laughs) and i mean it's cool it would be cool to get another one of those but I mean, we've heard Cuban and them talk about how they only want to assert they want to bring a lot of the team back, and we're all about draft picks. But they're Rick ain't gonna bring four rookies into this thing. Yeah. So. So yeah. that point, you're just saying you're just getting an extra pick that might not even play or possibly not even make the team. <laughs> yeah, I'd be down. I mean, I think at that point I would be saying, okay, what could 33 and 22? How could I move back up into the late lottery? You know, if we package those together, and if if that's the case, then moving up and getting Mikael and like Robert Williams or Mikael and you know one of those other guys, that would be kind of cool. That would be cool. So this one actually was was pretty pretty much uh, self explanatory. I think <laughs> I think we we it was very cut and dry. I guess is a better way to put it. Well, why the map should take him? He's a wing. He represents everything the NBA is. There's a lot of there's a lot of need. I think on this team for that. Uh, they've kept Wes Matthews around for so long because he does those things, and they overpaid for Wes Matthews because he does these things. And, uh, yeah, that that's why they they would take him. They would take him if they got him in a non-traditional way, whereas they're not just taking him at five. I think that's that's another reason why the Mavs should take him. Yeah, and I think um, if you are setting it, if you set back and you say Dennis is going to be one of our main cornerstones at arguably probably the most important position in the league as a point guard. And if you are 100%, 110% that he is going to be a future all-star, that he is going to lead your team places in the future. If you sat back and said, "All right, tell me who's the best like build not not names, but build for me the best two guard complement." to Dennis Smith Jr., to where Dennis could be the best Dennis Smith Jr. he could be. And I'm pretty, pretty confident that you would describe everything in Mikel Bridges. Yep. And so my, my thing is, and what makes me so high on him, I'm high on him as a prospect, but I'm also really high on him too because of who we have and because that we already have Dennis Smith Jr. If you're telling me – if if we're doing locked on Hawks right now, or we're yeah. doing locked on you know something else, and we didn't have Dennis and like you know whatever it is, I would still be high on Mikel, but not as high because a lot of my love for Mikel for Dallas has a lot to do with what he would do for Dennis Smith Jr. And I'm a huge believer in Dennis and f- figuring out your backcourt for the next eight to ten years. I think would be just massive because you would solidify that and pairing bridges with Dennis. And here's, here's my thing. This could lead into the next thing. Why the Mavs shouldn't, why the Mavs shouldn't draft him 
is if you want the home run swing, if you want a more like a Porter Jr. type of guy. And this is how I like to describe it. Bridges isn't Batman. He's a Robin, but he's the best Robin you could get. And yeah. that that's like that's my thing. If you want to go for a potential Batman, for a potential like A-lister alpha dog, then you might go for a Porter Jr. or you know whatever it is. But if you want the best Robin of that group that could pair alongside of, if you think Dennis is your Batman, your alpha dog, then Bridges is that. Completely agree. That's a good that's a good way to end it, Isaac. Uh, there you go. That's Mikhail Bridges. That's our draft profile. We'll be back with the rest of the week with more profiles. Peace out. Boom. <laughs>